Hey everyone, and welcome back to There Was an Idea. In this episode, look, I'm just going to be myself. This conversation was super fun. My friends Megan and Anthony and I talked about Spider-Man Homecoming. We also talked about other depictions and iterations of Spider-Man. And we talked about how much we enjoyed this film and how it connects to a really modern coming-of-age story. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at anidea underscore podcast. Enjoy the episode. I am TK of New York, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. I'm a high school teacher by day, and I'm also a huge fan of pop culture. And this is There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that finds itself at the place where those two things meet. Join me and some special guests as we explore the MCU through concepts in the humanities. Spoiler alert, one of those concepts is intertextuality, and as such, each episode of this podcast will likely contain spoilers for multiple films in the MCU. Thinkers, inquirers, and lovers of entertainment, assemble. With me today, I have my friends Megan and Anthony. Hi, Tara. What's We're happy up? to be here. <laughs> Before we get started, why don't you both take a minute to tell us a little bit about your relationship to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? All right. Well, my relationship started yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've seen some movies here and there, but yesterday we really decided to dive in a little bit with... Um, we watched Infinity War Ooh. and Endgame, in addition to Homecoming, to because I've seen Homecoming before, but obviously I wanted to refresh a bit for this chat. And right. um, but getting to see those two Avengers movies really kind of pushed me into it, and like I got a taste of everything, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went from being someone who couldn't tell you the difference between DC and Marvel (laughs) and thinking that, what did I think Scarlett Johansson was in (laughs) X-Men? I don't, I had no idea anything, but now I feel invested in this world and um, it is a labyrinth. It's a tapestry of so much content that reflects reality in so many ways that I never knew. I never thought of, the realm of superheroes as something that actually relates to real world mm. because I, I was never somebody who was invested in comics and superheroes as a kid. So to sure. me, it was always something else that was just otherworldly and almost silly. And then mm-hmm. I, I went on this trip into this universe yesterday and realized, wow, <laughs> this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is totally eye-opening. That's my relationship. What about you, Anthony? <laughs> so... A way that I can break down my relationship with what we're going to discuss today, which is Spider-Man Homecoming and the Marvel Cinematic Universe and its role in the world, is that each of, each of those things are very, very different for me. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man being one superhero in the context of the Marvel Universe, which is a separate universe from even the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. And that fiction that was created in, I, I think it was the 60s and Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, I think, are the, the two um, like primary writers and, and, and thinkers behind the, the entire Marvel Universe. It's, it's a marvelous history 
no pun intended that <laughs> um this is this is now reaching the mainstream it's it's right in our bloodline it's 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 every every day i mean you you can see these images and these movies and and um it's 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 influence on pop culture and it's influence in thought mm. and um what's really wonderful is that my relationship with spider-man and marvel too goes back all the way to my childhood i um was in love with spider-man the idea of it, the concept of it, whatever it meant to me as, as a little child, just like yeah. immediately spoke to me. I, I loved, I guess I, I like had a weird thing for insects. Also, I was outside <laughs> a lot and was definitely, you know, the way that nature works and, and, um, mutations in nature before I even knew the, you know, these, these words and like what they would mean to me, but you know, Spider-Man, I, uh, was Spider-Man twice for Halloween. I, I had a bunch of shirts and, had a bunch of graphic novels and, 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 you know, uh, volumes and individual issues. And as I grew older, I, um, I began to really think about what comic books are about and what Marvel is about and who Peter Parker is and, and how I empathize with him and mm-hmm. I can identify with him and, and elements of, of his, his journey to becoming the hero in, across so many planes of, of, of fictional reality as well as, as real reality, ours, our reality, what, what we live and exist in. Especially, Anthony, because you have such a long relationship with the character of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. What is your big picture take on the Homecoming movie? Is it one that you think really does a, a service to the character and you're excited mm-hmm. by this representation mm-hmm. of him? Or is it not, you know, not, not your favorite depiction of the character? Truthfully, I have to admit that this this current depiction of of Peter Parker and of Spider Man, while I, I think I, I have some some critiques of it, sure, I think it is the most successful adaptation on on the big screen of Peter Parker and of Spider Man, and there's a number of reasons why why I believe that. I feel excited when I watch this film and I, I really enjoy it. And I can still, you know, what's so weird is whether, whether Peter Parker is an animated character in, you know, in the animated Spider-Man series, which I loved on, on Fox and, or whether oh, yeah. it's, it's Tobey Maguire or, or Andrew Garfield or now Tom Holland, mm-hmm. that's his name. I think it's, it's very, he's very effective. And, and it's, it's really one of the things about it is, is that, I am an adult now. I'm 28 years old. I'm going to be 29. And every other time that I feel like, you know, even though I'm a kid, I still feel (laughs) like a kid inside because I am, I I feel like I'm such an adult now Yeah. and, and still relate to this, this childish aspect or this, this, this thing that was so important to me in my childhood. And I also have this perspective of, of, when the first Spider-Man movies came out, it was in the early 2000s. And then the second one uh, series, The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, was, I think, in the mid-2010s. Yeah. And, and now we have this. At first, I was a kid in middle school. I was, I was prime Peter Parker age, and I could understand. But at the same time, it was an older man in his 30s, I think, who was <laughs> depicting Peter Parker. Right. And, and now there's a, a, what feels like to me is a kid, an actual yes. child depicting this. And so for that, I want to applaud Marvel and Disney okay. and the whole casting because they got a kid who is 
a very effective Peter Parker, has a wonderful sense of humor, and also portrays a, a serious level of conflict very effectively between what it means to be a teenager, what it means to be a teenager in the year 2020. This, it could, for all intents and purposes, it could be this could be happening right now, you know? So it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing yeah. in, in that regard. Megan, as the person who was maybe less um, familiar with Spider-Man or maybe had less of a deep relationship to Spider-Man, I remember when I asked you, you told me that you thought this movie Homecoming was nice. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wondering, um, what you, upon rewatch, like what, what are your thoughts on this movie? Big picture. I still think it's. I still think it's nice. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I would. I have to agree with what Anthony said. Where when I saw the first Spider-Man movies that came out with Tobey Maguire, it was the same kind of thing. Where I was younger, but it was this adult. Yeah. Like he was a man, and Kirsten Dunst was a woman. Like mm. they were older people, and it wasn't until Anthony had me read Ultimate Spider-Man mm. um, that I realized that oh my god. Spider-Man's a kid. He's really funny. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. like, th- it's so different from the Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker that I had in my mind as a kid. And I thought this movie was awesome at showing the fact that he is a kid and Ned is a kid and yeah. they're such kids mm-hmm. together. And like, they're just so energetic and excited and happy. And at the same time, I mean, there's so much crazy stuff going on yes. in the movie and in the world at the time. Yes. And he's like grappling between the, the two aspects of like being a hero and being a kid. And like, how do you mix that? How do you mesh that? Yeah. So I thought, I thought this movie was really cool in that way, but like even to take a, a totally different step back as somebody who has not been so invested in the Marvel universe, watching this movie was really interesting because I felt like there were several movies within one movie mm. there, you know, so we watched, um, like I said, we watched the Avengers first. Infinity, Infinity War. Yeah. Infinity War first. And that movie was just like climax after climax <laughs> after climax. Yeah. until it was just like, okay, I know that this is the end because it's like all the actions in slow-mo and like the music like has built to this point. And then to watch homecoming again, it was like, there were like different movies within one where it was a pacing experience that I've never really Mm. got to experience before Mm. because you watch like a regular movie. It's, it follows the same kind of arc. It's the traditional story arc, you know, but when you look at these movies that are in the context of the whole Marvel universe, it's this whole big thing is a whole arc. It, like I I used the word tapestry before it's this tremendous tapestry where you might have areas, so like Endgame, I thought was very slow in comparison. It was like this big build up to this last final moment. Mm-hmm. And, but that's like one corner of the tapestry that's tying everything together. And then you have like maybe a really finely detailed portion, which was Infinity War, mm-hmm. where like there's so much action going on. And then you have like Spider Man, which is in the middle. And it was just so cool to see and understand that, okay, there's this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. I didn't know that this was a thing. I knew that all of these movies were out, but I did. I never knew that they were all connected the way that they are. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And getting to see those three last night showed me that, okay, each one of these films is not just a film. Mm-hmm. It's a 
small piece of a way bigger yeah. picture. Yeah. And within each one, there are these like little elements that I think that if it was just a standalone film, it wouldn't really work because mm. it throws you into things in a way that you wouldn't, you wouldn't know what's going on unless you have at least a little bit of context. Right. I mean, you could still enjoy it if you like humor and you like action, but it, mm. if you really want to dive deep, you got to know what's going on at least a little bit. And it's just, it's almost like a comic book. It, I mean, obviously yeah. because it's Marvel. Well, it's, it's, to, yeah. I, I, I love that point because it's, these movies feel so much more like volumes yes. as opposed to issues. You know, they'll give you the whole book, but it felt like a saga. These movies yes. feel like sagas, like long stretches of time it's like it's like if it was a tv show each 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 movie would be a, a season yeah you know as if you know it's, it's 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 and i think that format is is very effective because it requires the 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 viewer to really want to be invested to really want to pay attention to it and the more investment you have and the more you're paying attention to the more you realize just how many of the conflicts taking place on screen while fictional and, and, you know, su so supernatural, the, the, the conflicts underneath it all are really tremendously relatable to the conflicts that we're facing in this world now too. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think that this franchise has been so effective, as you said, and so successful in, in a way that other movie studios, other franchises like DC have not been able to build such consistently <clears throat> successful volumes within a larger story. Uh, many others have tried seeing the success <clears throat> of the MCU. And yeah. I always try and come back to like, well, what is it about these that makes them work so much? And I think what you guys were just speaking to um, is is helping me follow a train of thought on that, which is to say, I think that these movies... Uh, trust the viewers yes. that yeah I mean you know on first glance you okay superhero action popcorn flick like you're gonna laugh you're gonna see some things blow up and it, empty entertainment um and I know that it's pro it is providing people that if they want to go to the movies for that but at the same time I think there is that element of trust there's this like, like you know what our viewers are smart enough and they're engaged enough and they want to trace these connections yes. and they want to be able to follow something um, that is more complex. And we're going to we're going to reward them for that. Right. Exactly. We're going to reward you if you don't just go see Homecoming because you like Spider-Man. But we're going to say it. But if you want to engage in the in the more complex picture. To, so to relate that to specifically the context of this film, from what I understand, Homecoming takes place pretty much directly after the events of civil war. That's right. And in that movie, we're getting um, some, uh, a look into the characters of Spider-Man and Iron Man and their relationship in this movie. And in, in this, uh, in the MCU, there's a, a relationship between these characters that is like family and, yeah. and, and that wants you to, be involved in, 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 in the family. I think that's a really tremendous aspect of, of homecoming and what is going on. Definitely. Yeah. And I have to say too, that this movie homecoming in a way for me, 
that summer of, of 2017 um, mm. was a way back into this series for me because mm. I had followed, you know, I saw a bunch of the the first few as they were coming out in the movie theaters. And then I had kind of like, for whatever reason, I think just, you know, personal life stuff or whatever, I had kind of like stopped going to see them when they came out. And then I started to feel lost. Like, oh man, like I missed a few. And like, does that mean <laughs> that like, I'm not going to find my way back in? And it felt um, daunting. Like, oh, I know they're all connected and and this and that. And I had missed a few. And I had, I had even, I had missed Civil War. And uh, then this movie came out summer 2017. I remember it very, very clearly because I was having a very bad day. And I was like, I'm going to go see a Spider-Man in the movie theaters. And I was like, I, you know, and again, I had kind of lost track a little bit. I hadn't seen Tom Holland's portrayal because I hadn't seen Civil War. Um, I had always liked Spider-Man. Like I was, you know, when I was a young teen, I was pumped about the Toby ones. Then I went to go see the Garfield ones just because. I liked the character, um, but I was like, Spider-Man is going to cheer me up today. And I was like willing to take that risk. I was like, I, I missed a couple of, of these movies, but I'm going to go for it anyway. And it was um, it was my way back in because seeing that relationship with Tony Stark, who, of course, I remembered because I had seen all the Iron Mans and I had seen, you know, the first couple Avengers. And so I was like, oh, my God, like, this is so great how connected it is with the others. And I immediately, uh, you know, recency bias um, acknowledged. I immediately thought that it was uh, I don't want to like say objectively a better movie, but I was I was having a better time than I had had with those Garfield movies, or even despite the nostalgia, than the the you know the Tobey Maguire movies because um I just loved those those connections and that was my way back in. I was like oh I have I have to go and like catch up on the ones I've missed now. I like that um his introduction into this MCU was not was not in his solo movie. Like, I, I think it's really interesting that they brought him in in that other context. And then in this his first solo movie, it's not a traditional quote-unquote origin story, which we've been talking about in some of my other episodes, um, because it, we're not seeing the moment where he gets bit and, you know, has to navigate that. And, and you know, and we've seen that story before, and that story is yes. exciting in its own yes. right. Yes. But I think it's really exciting here that they show him navigating his identity once he, he he has already come to know his powers, you know, to a certain extent. Well, I guess for me, the first thing that comes to mind is just thinking about, based off what Tara, you just said about the fact that they don't show the origin story in this one. Yeah. They don't show the moment that he got bit. They only address it very slightly when he's talking with Ned and Ned yeah. is like, well, tell me about this spider. Do you lay eggs? Like all, <laughs> all of this funny stuff. Yeah. Hey, can I be bit too? Yeah, can I be can, bit? Can I be bit too? The spider's dead, Ned. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was really interesting. And it's it changes Peter Parker's grappling with his existence mm. as Spider-Man. Mm. It's not like he's a guy, got bit by a spider, mm-hmm. has to deal with the fact that, oh my God, my body just changed. All of this weird mm-hmm. stuff is happening. What's going on? Who am I? Who am I becoming? Mm-hmm. This Peter Parker already knows all that stuff right he already had his first mission with tony stark and that's yeah, how the movie he's opens employed. up and he's yes he's, he's employed and mm-hmm. then he's just itching for action yeah he's just waiting for action and it's so funny because it's almost like so he's a teenager and he's a superhero but while he's just waiting around waiting for his next call He's at, he's a YouTube star. He's yeah. a guy. He's a YouTube sensation, and he's like kind of like just a washed up superhero. Like if he were an 
older man, mm. it, what he was doing would be weird. Like, <laughs> it would have been creepy, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like intercepting a bike thief who may have not have been a bike thief, intercepting a car thief who may or not have been a car thief. <laughs> this you is know, my like, car. You know, directing yeah. an old woman and being rewarded with a churro. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, so it's like there's an identity crisis that he's facing right there. Absolutely. Just like I have this vision of myself as a hero. I have this idea of what I'm supposed to be, Yeah. what I want to be. I want to be an Avenger. I want to save mm-hmm. the world. And yet he can't even hang on to his own backpack. He lost five right. backpacks. Yeah. It's right. a really wonderful <laughs> comic detail. <laughs> yes. I mean, as a, as a teenager who is um, already come to terms with the fact of Spider-Man, mm. he, he is Spider-Man. He's un- he understands, to a certain extent, the level of, I, I look at it as the level of the genetic mutation of the fact that he was that he was bitten by a spider a radioactive spider yeah one of the things that is so unique about this series that does not or is 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 not really addressed in in really any other i think depiction of spider-man is how much spider-man and the avenger and 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 all other superheroes really are are tremendously influenced by the rapid innovation in technology mm-hmm. and how much Spider-Man's suit looks and, and has an influence and, and, and capability that's given to him by technology afforded and programmed by Tony Stark. And in, in a lot of ways, it's like Tony Stark has kind of given him an Iron Man suit, but it's, it's a Spider-Man suit. Mm-hmm. And, and so much that it, it has, it, it has its own name. It has its own interface. It has a Siri or a Karen or a Friday or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever your relationship ends up being with your suit. It's not his conscience. It's not his instinct. It's not his, um, his own mind. That's, that's, he, he constantly has Karen or his suit to play ping pong with and right. be like, how do I, how do I deal with this situation? And I, I think that that's, something that relates a lot now to what it means to be a teenager yes. growing up in 2020. That was something that we did not quite yet have. We had AOL instant messenger and we <laughs> had T nine text capability and, you know, we had dial up internet. And, um, you know, I, when I say we, it's, it's, I, 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 we, I, we can speak for the three of us. I don't, sure. I don't know everybody, you know, but it's, um, it's, uh, it's really wonderful, I think, how there is this generational aspect that is inexplicable from technology, yeah. um, or inextricable, rather, from technology, because there even comes a point later on in this crisis where he's having his suit taken from him from, by Tony Stark, uh, where he says, I'm nothing without the suit. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and Tony Stark says, well... Well, I can't remember exactly what the quote is, but it's, it's something to the effect of if you're nothing without the suit, then you don't deserve to have it. Yes. Okay. But anyway. In any case, <laughs> yeah. So, so Tony Stark says, well, if, if you're nothing without the suit, then you, 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 you haven't learned what it means to be a hero yet. Exactly. And he ends up having to go back and face tomb without the suit, without any technology and and what is what does it end up resulting in? The, the most heroic thing is this mirror moment, like yes, like the Freud Lion King, that Lion King moment. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. 
where it's it's half his face and half Spider-Man and he's like, wait, no, I don't need the suit. I don't need the the, the mecha arms mm-hmm. to come out of me to lift this uh this fallen this fallen warehouse off of me. It's I can I can do this. That's that's the burden of, of being a hero. And that moment was so great too. Um yeah. that I because y- you actually hear Stark's voice say the quote again which sometimes is really cheesy in movies because it takes you out of it but i I think in that case it works well because that's what's going on in peter's head if this were a comic Mm. and it was his thought bubble you know Mm. that's what's going on in his head. he's hearing stark say that again that he shouldn't have the suit if if he's nothing without it and then he says to himself i noted this too he you know he's trying to get out from under the debris and Mm -hmm. he says come on peter and then he says, come on, Peter, once. And then after that, on, he Spider-Man. says, come on, Spider-Man, like three or four times, right? Yeah. So I think that's just such a powerful moment because of what you're saying, Anthony. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think that is like a big part of this movie, too, where I was grappling with this idea last night while we were watching it that so back to what we were saying before about. Peter Parker finding his identity as Spider-Man in this movie is different because it doesn't have the origin aspect to it. It's like, to me, I was seeing it as Peter Parker has this idea of what Spider-Man is supposed to be Mm -hmm. based on this suit that Tony Stark has given him, Mm -hmm. based on what he knows about the Avengers, based on all this technology, based on this, based on that. When he's in his suit for the first time and he's chasing the guys with those crazy weapons Mm -hmm. and he's talking to his AI who he hasn't named Karen yet, but he's talking to Karen. (laughs) He's just like, what what do I do? Tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. And he's deferring to this thing because he has no idea. And she's just like, instant kill mode like oh my god the instant kill mode (laughs) when his eyes light up red oh my god but like spider-man is not going on his intuition he's not trusting his gut he doesn't know how to be that pure being that spider-man actually is the spider sense the spider sense exactly Mm. he's completely forgoing that in favor of deferring to this technology that isn't necessarily making things easier for him or giving him the right to sit like yes, the right it's it's augmenting his reality with it like what was it 500 different options for webs you know yeah. just just different webs and training wheels mode was still on it yes point. and and he had <laughs> yeah. and, he, and he had a serum that he had made himself. He's like, no, no, this is my web stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how. There's a baby spider crawling up our table. <gasps> There's right spiders now. all. Just, oh my God, it's like it's trying a sign. to join. It's trying to join the conversation. You think it's radioactive? <laughs> In this moment, one of you gets bit. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> a huge problem, and 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 not only not it's not even a problem in the film because the film works because of this. It's it's effective because of this. That he's he's growing up in this context where we rely so tremendously on technology, but one of the things that is a tr- is, is a real problem for Peter Parker in navigating what kind of hero Spider Man is going to be is the absence of the Uncle Ben ethic. Yes, which is nowhere said in this film. In this time. Uncle Ben's ethic is, is, is one of the most important rules to, to not only to being a hero that is all across the board in Marvel Cinematic Universe, but especially to the identity of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, 
there's it's as simply said as as it is in, in the first series of Spider-Man films with great power comes great responsibility. But there's a really wonderful scene in Ultimate Ultimate Spider-Man um, where Peter is is first now. Nav- uh, navigating, um, lying to Aunt May and Uncle Ben, and and he goes to a party, and Uncle Ben comes and gets him. He he knows where he is. He's he's not stupid, and he comes and get him, and he says, "Peter, this isn't you. You know, it's you're you're really such a good kid, such a bright, no more than bright, as smart as they come. Mm. As smart as they come is a quality that Peter Parker and Tony Stark share." Yeah. Not many other heroes in ever really are are that intellectually brilliant, scientifically inclined. And he says, you know, you're as as smart as they come. And this is stupid. You you lying to your to your aunt. You know your father. God rest his soul. Your father and had a philosophy that he held to pretty strongly, and it's one that served him very very well. He believed that if there were things in this world that you had to offer things that you did well, better than anyone else, things that you could do that helped people or made people feel better about themselves. He believed that it wasn't just a good idea to do those things. He believed it was your responsibility yeah. to do those things. Yeah. Don't try to be something else. Don't try to be less. Great things are going to happen to you and, and your life, Peter. Great things. And with that will come great responsibility. Do you understand? We don't get this, you know, he's he's trying to realize what courage is and what responsibility is and, and what being a hero is. But a lot of what he is, is he's given an augmented reality suit. He's told he's not an Avenger. He has a genetic mutation. He has uh, an internship. Mm-hmm. You know, which is which is we'll call you a relationship with Happy, who he is texting incessantly, incessantly over and over and over again. Like, you'll get the point. You know, it's I need work. I need work. Give me work. I want to do something. I have this power. I want to use it responsibly. Yeah. And then what does Tony Stark say to him? He says, this is, you know, he gives him the suit. Am I Avenger? No, you're not an Avenger. OK, well, wh- what's my role? Don't do anything I would do. Definitely don't do anything I wouldn't do. There's a little gray area in there, and that's where you operate. Gray area? You're giving a teenager gray area, and that's the bounds for him to use an augmented reality suit to become a hero like you? You know, how can you say something like that? (laughs) And that's it, you know? And then then I'm not going to hug you. I'm opening the door. Get out. (laughs) Yeah, I had a problem with that scene. Too. And uh, and I wrote that down as well. Don't do anything I would do. Definitely don't do anything I wouldn't do. And it's such bad advice. Um, I mean, so it's Tony Stark. It's funny. Yes, but yes, it, perfectly <laughs> Tony Stark. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it is bad advice. And um, and I guess I mean, so there's there's maybe the one way of looking at it, like you know, to maybe Tony Stark is a great mentor, and he knew all along that the power was inside of Peter, and Peter mm-hmm. was going to figure it out, and Peter mm-hmm. was going to make these good decisions. And frankly, he—that's what Tony Stark tries to do at the end. He kind of retcons it, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, like, yep. "Oh yeah, 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 that was my tough love moment, taking the suit away from you." But like you could tell, he's he's kind of retconning it. Like I, I, my take on Tony Stark is that in his development across all of these MCU films, he's not yet a strong father figure. He's not yet the person who's a strong no. mentor. He's no. he's giving bad advice. Because I feel like there's so much there, Anthony. This idea mm-hmm. about 
with great power comes great responsibility. And they don't say that in this movie. Um, <clears throat> the closest that the MCU gets to the quote that you just read that I think was really powerful. And I've never mm-hmm. read that original. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. Um, but in Civil War, when Tony mm-hmm. Stark meets Spider-Man and he says something to the to the effect of, when you can do the things that I do, but you don't, and then bad things happen, they happen because of you. And I really, to me, I think that line is really powerful. And it says a lot about young Peter Parker's sense of, you know, wanting to do good with the powers that he has. Um, But they don't, uh, you know, I wonder about the decision to not outright have a line like that in this movie, to not invoke Uncle Ben and his ethics, as you're saying. Like, I wonder if... um, if it's just because, you know, the audience, they're assuming the audience has that context. And so they're going to show us that rather than tell us that. Or I don't know. Do you think something was lost by not invoking that more directly? I don't necessarily think that anything, anything is lost. I mostly look at it as the absence of it is is significant to me because not to get too deep into, into this train of thought, but I think that a lot of the problems in our world right now are are, are problems of ethics mm. of knowing simple differences between right and wrong and i mean the the world is so much more complicated than that and and these movies address you know at, of course obviously especially you know the the last few infinity war and yeah. and endgame they they address these these problems but i i think it's what it's commenting on effectively in the absence is that I think there's been a loss of being of, of young adults being able to come to their senses effectively to, to know themselves with technology and without technology to know themselves as people who can act consciously and and politically, it's like there's there's never been a greater time for people to be a hero. Mm-hmm. You know, for we have all of this technology available to us. We have we have we have so much opportunity to become the fullest realized versions of ourselves and to live responsibly and and act effectively and and in in uh, begin making changes to society and 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 to civilization and to our way of living and that have long lasting effects and long lasting implications. And I think that I think what it, what it's commenting or what the, the, the film is mirroring is maybe more like what kind of trouble it's like for kids to go through, to find this in this day and age, Mm. to find the candle lit in all the darkness Mm you know, is, 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 and, and realize, um, what and who you are and can be responsible toward. Yeah. And then taking that burden, you know, carrying that whole weight, like, like Peter emerging out of, you know, the fallen, the fallen warehouse and, 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 and taking that and, and, you know, and carrying it, carrying that weight. Yeah. And realizing that the technology is an asset, um, but that the technology can't be the end all be all, right? The into- mm-hmm. the technology is not your code of ethics. The tech it's not his code of ethics. The yeah, technology right. is not yes. who he yes. is. Yes. Right. Right. The, you know, his sense of Spider-Man was his sense of Spider-Man before he got the fancy suit. 
Mm-hmm. And he's going to put on his pajama suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if he needs goggles. To. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's really interesting. And I think it is a really valuable lesson. You know, again, at, at working with teenagers, um, <laughs> sometimes, and, and not even just teenagers, but think about, you know, I see this come up with myself, like us too. Yes. <laughs> using, you know, using an, uh, a technology not working <laughs> as an excuse to not get something done, right? And so it happens all the time with kids in schools and like, well, you know, I couldn't log on to this or like the Wi-Fi wasn't working and so we can't do it. And, you know, um, on a practical level, like that's that may be true, right? There are certain mm-hmm. things that you can't do if, if the technology is not working. There's certain things he couldn't do without mm-hmm. the suit. But, mm-hmm. right, that drive to, you know, have the mission mm-hmm. detached from the tools mm-hmm. that enable you to complete the mission, right? Yeah. And yes. I think he's a strong character. I think he's a strong hero. I um and I think he's stronger and has a greater sense of himself in many ways than Tony Stark, or at least mm-hmm. Tony Stark in this mm-hmm. film, because he's able to recognize um how as much as he he admires and loves Tony Stark and sees him as this hero in both a yes, he's an Avenger way, but also like you're right, Anthony, like that would be the guy he'd really look up to because he's the scientific one. He's the smart one. And like, that's something that Peter, you know, also there's a kinship there and he wants him so badly to be kind of like that father figure, but he's even able to recognize that he, I think he says at at one point that he overdid it with the suit and he was like, ah, enough with this instant kill. And like, um, and, and he even points out to happy that, you know, the tracker in the suit is a violation of his privacy. Right. So like he has this strong sense of who he is and and what what's right and what's wrong and uh in a way that he's not just sort of saying oh well stark because i look up to stark it must mean that everything stark is doing and everything stark put in the suit i have to trust completely Mm -hmm. right like he's he's forging his own path yeah that's that's where the the scene with him it was it was the most perfect i think this happened it, it actually happens in three times and and this is this is a really really great thing Three conflicts, one where Peter Parker is um, he's chasing the van mm-hmm. um, with with tombs guys with shocker. OK, and um, and he's running through backyards and causing mayhem and stumbling into little girls camping backyard camping. <laughs> and eventually, OK, he finds trees and a road and the van and he's he's connecting them. And then, OK, here comes Vulture intercepts him and um, Iron Man. The suit or, or a, a drone Iron Man basically suit rescues him. Mm-hmm. It's not a job fit for Iron Man to rescue him, but his technology can do it for him. Okay, my, my drone can, can rescue you. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Where does he drop him? In a playground. Mm-hmm. They're literally in a playground. Yes. He sits Peter right on a jungle gym, which is really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that's a really great space to think about. And, and in relation to the fact that this is a kid learning this thing. Then you have the scene later where he goes to Baltimore, right? It's, it's Baltimore and, and he finds his way in the van or not the van, but there's a transport that Vulture is going to. Yeah. That's like the train or whatever or van or where he ends up in the shipping container. Yes. He yeah. ends up in the shipping container. And where does he end up? It's like the perfect place that Tony Stark would actually want him to be. It was like, 
It was the safest, most secure damage control storage facility on the eastern seaboard, yeah. right? <laughs> and this is this is so perfect because this is where he gets to have his play date with Karen. Yeah. This is where he gets to finally realize he's basically in jail. This is exactly where Tony Stark would want him because this is the storage for all of his damage control stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is the conflict with Tomb, right? Too mm-hmm. is that this is what Tomb is stealing from. This is this is this is money for Tomb as what, but it's it's also just junk and another problem, and, and in, a, in a lot of ways, just a liability mm-hmm. for, yeah. for Tony Stark, you yeah. know. And so here is Peter learning his suit, and you have this really wonderful moment where he's like at peace with it all now. He can accept it, and he's wearing um, his his Spider Man suit. Over that is his hoodie, and then over that is his decathlon jacket. I love that image. And underneath it all is Peter Parker, is yeah. who he is, you know? And you so you have this layer and layer and layer, and the web of his being is, like, contained in this most perfect of playgrounds <laughs> for him. Yeah. Now, again, yeah, navigating all of those different aspects of who he is. Mm-hmm. And then That's he so thinks powerful. that him and Karen broke the code to get out. Mm-hmm. But it was just morning, and the door was going <laughs> to open up anyway. <laughs> like, so funny. Just like she great. told him it yeah. would. Exactly. <laughs> he like doesn't even realize because he is still a kid, and he's so smart, but he's so wrapped up in this thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of it is is like the impatience and the boredom, and like that incessant like I'm texting, ha- I'm texting you happy, I'm texting you happy, give me a job happy. It's like the same thing where it's just like, you know, I feel really, I think he says something like, I feel really good about this now, Karen. Like, thank you for helping me put this into perspective. What time or like how long have you been? And she's like a half hour. 37 minutes. And and he's like, what? Let's get out of here. You know, it's just like, you know, it's, it's, that's a really wonderful moment. Oh, God. Um, And it reminded me so much of like, you know, again, how well this movie is capturing the real coming of age mm. navigations for mm-hmm. teens today, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. right now, today, that idea of, you know, even when you find that moment of clarity, it's like only 37 minutes later and mm-hmm. you're eager and you want to do something and you're bored and you're impatient. And how much of that does come from technology? It does such a great job of capturing that. Just, just to tie up that one thought, about there being there being these these three moments. Oh, that's right. Yeah, with, that was only two. So we have the yeah. playground, and we yeah. have this um, the the storage facility, which is really for him. It's like a playground. He has he has his <laughs> play date with his suit, mm-hmm. and then lastly is the the final scene. It takes place in Coney Island, and and yeah. all you have is this apocalyptic, smoke filled, flame like kind of randomly flame ridden. But somewhere around it, you can see there's amusement park rides, there's a Ferris wheel, there's, is there a roller coaster? It's like, where are we? Where, where is this taking place? And what, what does it say, like, symbolically that this is the battleground yeah. for entertainment as well as, like, for, this, for what's at stake between these two, our hero and our, the villain, the villainy of Tombs has has a, a unique place in this film as well. I agree. Why don't we get into that a little bit? Thank you cool. for that observation, though, about those three mm-hmm. images. I'd mm-hmm. never considered it that way. And that's so powerful to think about. So thank you for that. Um, There's 
so much packed into this movie. It's insane. Like, I'm thinking yes. about those three moments and how big those were. And it's like, we didn't even touch on the whole scene with Washington Monument. Yeah. Like, yeah. We didn't touch on the <laughs> dance. We didn't touch on the party. You know, there's yes. so many elements in this movie. It's just, it's mind-blowing. Even the ferry. The, the ferry? The, oh, the, my the, God. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you wanted to think about, like, the fact that it took 50 minutes to get into the movie before you, you felt like we really had our first authentic look into like the oh. most legitimate Peter Parker versus Spider-Man decision yes. when he's going to that party yes. and puts on his Spider-Man suit and is going to go into the party and appear as Spider-Man to make him and Ned look cool. Mm-hmm. And then he notices, of course, some crazy explosions in the distance. And it's just like, oh, well, looks like I have a duty. But also, there's a party and a cute girl. And that's like the first real moment in the movie where you see him grappling between him just being a teenager and him being a hero or Mm -hmm. wanting to be a hero. Because that moment, like, he didn't really make anything better, I think, by, like, trying to uh save these save whatever he was trying to do apprehend these criminals like Mm -hmm. he didn't succeed in any way he just got scolded well he's on iron man he's he's on the the roof and sees the explosion Mm -hmm. off in the distance and realizes that this is more important than my ego Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the bank scene too we haven't even Mm -hmm. talked about the bank scene the bank scene is really and and of course the really wonderful irony of that whole scene with um, the fact that the robbers are all wearing Avengers masks. Yeah, you're not the Avengers, and and what is that? Um, the poster. Yeah, the, the identity theft. We've got you covered. Yeah, yeah, so good. It's it's just perfect. That whole scene is 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 really a, a wonderful scene. Mm-hmm. It um, is. There's so and- much great irony. Oh my god, there's so much. There yeah, is. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is saga. The, yeah. the film, just the film in itself is a saga. It's amazing. The scene too that you were um, that you were talking about, Megan, um, at the party, you can see him go back and forth, right? And he's so mm-hmm. like he's telling Ned, he says, "Spider Man is not a party trick," and he says, "I'm gonna just be myself," and then it like cuts nobody right wants- to that. Scene. Nobody wants that. Yep. Yeah. And- <laughs> Which is Ned is so great. Like he's fantastic. <laughs> That is so good. Um, and then mm-hmm. and then it cuts to, you know, the scene where that you mentioned that he notices the explosion in the distance and he's practicing mm-hmm. like a Spider-Man voice. Mm-hmm. And that, oh, yes. right. and he's just like hey, like like you know and and so it's you can see him navigating that and trying that out. The voice comes up a couple times too cuz it comes up in the scene with Donald Glover's character. Yes. Oh my god. Don't ever do that again, Karen. <laughs> Don't ever do that again. <laughs> um and then he's, he ends up getting advice from him. Yeah, Donald. He does such a bad job at trying to interrogate him. Yeah, Donald Glover's actually trying to help him yes. get what he wants out of him, which is really wonderful. And maybe this is a, a reasonable way to segue to tombs, because on a small scale, this is why a person like Donald Glover is going to get is trying to get arms. From yeah. from Tombs's men from from Shocker and whoever, um, but he what does he end up saying? There's like a really comic thing where he's just like he like the weapons that they're selling are way too much for him. He's like yeah. it's like it's like trying I got a nephew here. <laughs> like I don't want him to get killed. It's, it's like yeah. yes, it's like yeah. it's what is what is Donald Glover trying to do? Is he trying to hold up a a deli? 
Is he trying to, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what, what crime he's, he's, he's been convicted of. He's, we only know that he's a criminal, mm -hmm. you know, but. I get the sense that a character like him who isn't after to dominate the world or anything, no. he's just trying to make ends meet. Yes. You know? yes. Well, and do you guys know, this is going to be a little bit of a sidebar, but um, do you guys know the connection between Donald Glover's character um, Aaron Davis is the character's name and the mm -hmm. movie Into the Spider-Verse. We saw this film, but but this is Aaron Davis is who? So that um, so it's a it's a little bit of an Easter egg in Homecoming. So Into the Spider-Verse, the Spider-Man is Miles Morales and um, his uncle is Aaron Davis, who oh, is the Prowler. That's his uncle? Yes. Okay. So it's a bit of an Easter egg that, oh, I have a nephew in this neighborhood. And the, the Into the Spider-Verse movie hadn't come out yet, but it, that I do know, and I'm sure you know more about the comics, but that was in one of the comic parallel universes was Miles Morales' Spider-Man. So. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So that was supposed to be a little nod to that. That's oh, that's really excellent. Yeah. So thank you for tying that all together. Mm -hmm. That's that's a Absolutely. really, really great detail. It is. They did a great job with that. And that movie, Into the Spider-Verse, is so freaking good. Oh, my God. Epic. Yeah, Epically awesome. awesome. Love that movie. And totally <laughs> self-aware of the fact that there have been so many Spider-Man identities. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love how self-aware it is. So funny. Yeah, Perfect way great. to address it. I was going to say, just to take a step back for a bit and about, um, like, the Vulture and yeah. stuff and mm -hmm. his role mm -hmm. as a villain... The way the film starts is that he just gets screwed. Yeah. He has a job. He's doing his thing. Went through the city board and everything. The man has a comes. Yeah, the man comes and takes it all away from him. And he's like, you got to be kidding me. All right. Okay. The world's changing. Obviously, there's corruption everywhere. Yep. If it's changing, I want to support my family. I have a little girl. I have a wife. It's time for me to change, too. And while the path that he goes in isn't necessarily the most moral way right. to make ends meet. What other option does he have without having to completely rebuild himself in a way that's like out of his comfort zone? He's already an established individual in society. He's yeah. a middle-aged man. How far can he change his trajectory in order to start making ends meet for his family when he has all of this stuff at his fingertips right here, mm -hmm. just like, if I got to live in Queens or New York city, that requires some money and yeah. I need to make this happen. And he does it. And I think that, so there's that parallel again with Tony Stark, mm -hmm. who at the city, he also was a weapons manufacturer right. and was not necessarily doing the most moral thing. And then eventually realized that later, he's like, I've gone too far, but that's the thing that tombs doesn't realize is that like, it goes back to the uncle Ben thing with great power comes great responsibility yeah tombs rose to a great power by having access to all this insane technology working with these really smart guys and also some really dumb guys <laughs> just like these people who can make things happen for him mm -hmm. and have this black market trade that they're all just trying to be set for life and yeah because they have no i mean i'm sure they have other options but that's just the easy way out for them. And sometimes people need that. Some people need to have, but how that's, I mean, that's it. It's, it's, it's like, um, how, how quickly that shift can take place in the consciousness. It's like, okay, so the world has changed. Yep. You've been slighted. 
what ha- what was rightly yours, you feel was unjustly taken from you. Now you make a change. And like Megan was saying, it's like he, he, um, in a lot of ways, like didn't turn out to be like the most villainous of villains. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not, he's not after anything really much more than being able to provide for his family. But what he's doing is like a dark underbelly. Yes. That mirrors what Stark was doing. Mm -hmm. This, this, that was, he's basically black marketing Stark's business. It's (laughs) that idea of um, sometimes the difference between what's legitimate and what's illegitimate is just who's doing it. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Or how, how much power is behind it. Exactly. And, and Toombs basically says that to, to Peter Parker. Like, I think he, he, he multiple times says that he would be willing to kill Peter Parker. And I think that's the line sometimes where we see, okay, that's what's making you villainous here is that your code of ethics doesn't stop at actually taking the life of somebody else, particularly mm-hmm. this teenager, because he's standing in your way. Um, but he, I think it would be very willing to work with Peter Parker and he tries to get him to come to his side and see them as having more of a kinship than what Peter has with Stark, because he refers to them as being the little guy. He says, um, you know, he, he always says that he's doing it for his family and for his daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, Peter has, um, this much more idealistic sense of what's right and what's wrong. And he just says, you know, you're selling weapons to criminals and that's wrong. Right. And we we hear that and we say, okay, yeah, that, that's wrong. But then Tomb says to him, how do you think your buddy Stark paid for the tower or his toys? Mm-hmm. Well, it was the same thing as you guys were saying. Stark was selling weapons to criminals too. Uh, I mean, and, you know, and, and again, we could get into the Iron Man story and how much Stark knew about what Stark Industries was mm-hmm. doing or not and what was legitimate or not legitimate. Um, but, you know, basically Tomb's... Tomb's is... <laughs> Tomb's is... <laughs> <laughs> Toombs's point is that the rich and the powerful get to do what they want and then the guys like me and you meaning him and Peter that you know they don't care about us and he's putting himself on Peter's level and I think it's really uh it, it's a really good point and again you know he is he's villainous but he is uh he's pointing out that irony that as you were saying before right Stark they're they're two sides of the same coin and Peter in many ways um from the way that he was raised would have more of a kinship with tombs. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, again, though, Peter forges his own path because he has that sense of what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And he, um, but he's not a mini Stark, you know, he doesn't become mm-hmm. Tony. He, he like, I don't know. Somehow Peter's ego is, is it, in a lot of ways is a lot more mature yeah. than, than Tony Stark's is despite, Despite all of his power and all of his 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 um, intelligence and his influence on society, it's and um, and especially because Tony Stark is Iron Man, whereas the secret identity aspect of being a hero is is is, is a real problem mm-hmm. for 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 many superheroes to be able to say that I am Iron Man to make that declaration. Yeah. Is is something that not many heroes are afforded the luxury of, and I think it's one of pride and one of ego that allows him to do that. Yeah, um, I think that's an area where Peter Peter navigates his his problems differently. I mean, he 
he knows when something is wrong and he he acts on it and he makes mistakes peter is more or less like what would have happened what are the consequences of peter more or less turning a blind eye which is aunt may's ethic and and she she says um pretty much like if if you ever come across anything like that you turn around and run exactly direction exactly yeah and self-preservation yes that's i think that that is all over the place in in the world today now it's it's this is I think that's a lot of, of, of how we're, we're thinking about our current problems is, is yeah. and, you know, it's, it's in times where we really need to band together and, and, and be, you know, Avengers. It's, yeah. it's, it's all about, no, 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 I know what's right. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to do this for me. And, and, and yeah. if it, if it's, if it's me involving myself in conflict head on, or it's me turning around and running the opposite way, it's, those are two parts of, 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 like, I think two sides of the same coin, again, to use that analogy. Yeah, and the individual versus the community. And yeah. to, just to address, yes, absolutely. The conflict is like, what would the consequences have been if Peter Parker, Spider-Man, had turned around and ran the other way from that bank heist? This is me getting my training wheels in this mm-hmm. suit. You know, this, mm-hmm. is, this, is, this is me learning my gray area. And a lot of it is is that he does he kind of does it really well. He does a lot of things that Tony Stark would do. He does a lot of things that Tony Stark wouldn't do, and he's learning that gray area. And it's yeah. how else is he supposed to do it with that kind of advice? And and when Aunt May gives him the other advice, which he knows to be wrong, turn around and run the way, run the other way. He knows that's wrong. And the irony, of course, and it's beautifully, is that he did it he was yeah. like no, no no this is yeah. a problem first this is a mission for spider-man the image that spider-man has of himself is that yes. i have control over this situation and and maybe it's about yes. playing the long game it's and, and you know but whether whether he realizes that or not or it's just that is a part of his intuition is that i might not be able to solve the heart of this conflict right now what the source of this crime but I can address this crime as effectively as I'm capable. That's my gray area. Yeah. And turning around, turning a blind eye or, or facing, you know, and running away may have very serious consequences in the future yeah. that are not just robbing the bank across from your, your neighborhood deli. It, if, if Peter let that situation of crime go, the, the bank heist, the, the really the inciting event of the violence. Yeah. What, more violence would that have actually led to over time by letting these people go exactly, as yeah. opposed to just the destruction of a bank in the deli. It's, it's hard to say, you know, it's, it's, it's how you weigh the consequences of, of intervening against violence with violence. The, on the similar topic of like the Washington monument thing, yeah. that wouldn't have happened had they not had that bomb. Mm-hmm. that they didn't even know was a bomb mm-hmm. and totally breached like national security and like brought a bomb into a national <laughs> monument, which is a totally yes. separate story. But anyway, and the same thing with the ferry too. If Peter Parker didn't come along and try to save things, that mm-hmm. ferry might not have split in half. Mm-hmm. There would have been an arms deal. Um, Tony Stark probably still would have called the FBI. The FBI would have been there. Maybe, Tombs would have 
like busted out his vulture gear and something crazy still would have happened. But mm-hmm. I guess you don't know. We don't know because we can't. Everything that is is exactly as it yeah. should be. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So many of the things that happen in that movie are because Spider-Man couldn't help himself but mm-hmm. to try to save the day. And then it ends up being a mistake that is caused by himself, but he rectifies it. Mm. And like, I think that's with help. Set with help. With yeah. Help. But I think that's him like learning that gray area mm. because sometimes I always find personally that sometimes I can't really find the balance of things until I shift the scale in to one extreme and then go all the way to another extreme. Mm. And it's not until I can understand both extremes that I can figure out where the balance between the two is. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I kind of related to of just like, he just has this idea and he wants to do so good. So he just goes all out and it usually isn't the best idea, but it was integral to him learning his place as Spider-Man in this universe as a, an Avenger to be, you know, yeah. like it's, it's, again, to go back to what we were talking about way earlier of just his identity as Spider-Man in this movie, not being informed by the fact that he was bit, but grappling with, okay, wait, exactly who is Spider-Man? I have these abilities, I have this suit, but what does it all mean? Well, and it goes back to what you said too, like the the difference between Peter Parker and Tony Stark is that that question of ego, right? Tony Stark Mm -hmm. is going to, at that press conference, be like, you know what? I am Iron Man. Whereas uh, Peter Parker, who is 15, 16 years old, he knows that he would be such a cool kid in school if he Mm. was like the spider guy on YouTube. That's me. And Ned Mm -hmm. even wants like Ned wants him to like, hey, why don't you just tell people? Because like, you know, like the girl who he's crushing on is Peter Parker actually has a crush on Spider-Man. And like, you know, but but it doesn't even cross Peter's mind. It's just like, Mm. no, he's not going to do that. He's not going to use Spider-Man as a party trick or for fame, right? He, he thinks about Spider-Man making an appearance at the party, but he soon decides that he's not going to do that either because mm-hmm. he has this, he doesn't have that same sense of, of ego. And I think that um, to me, that that really comes across at the end of the movie too, um, in that he then is being presented with the thing that he wanted or that mm-hmm. he thought he wanted over mm-hmm. the course of the film, which is to join the Avengers you know, quit high school. He tells Ned at one point that he's, I'm like over high school. I don't know if I'm going to come back. And he's given that opportunity at the end, like come and, you know, have a, have a room next to vision in the Avengers tower, yeah. which is like a cool, like little image that you'd like to see. Um, and, and, you know, work with us and, and got the press conference again, Tony Stark always with the press conference. Right. And, you know, come out as Spider-Man and, um, and he chooses not to, and he chooses to, you know, be on the ground and do the the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man thing. So I think um, I think that says a lot about what he's learned in the in the course of this movie. What did you, what did you guys um, what did you guys make of the end? Well, I really like I really like what you just said. Is 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 that how the decision to become an Avenger was exactly in his, or over the course of the movie he had learned that that was almost the decision that would mirror telling other people that's that that was not an aspect of of his identity as either peter parker or as spider-man that he needed Mm -hmm. this isn't Mm -hmm. something that i need 
which is such a that is finding that balance of these two extremes that Megan was talking about is 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 the difference between an impatient and bored and highly capable and super brilliant extra brilliant teenager nagging please 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 give me work mm-hmm. and all the way to so you know what do you what do you think about it I think I think you've earned this you've earned this kid it's yeah. uh it's time for you to 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 become. Spider-Man, it's time to become an Avenger. And, and, and now it's, he doesn't, Spider-Man doesn't have to make an appearance at the party. Yeah. It's, it's totally fine for Spider-Man to be friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. And totally. how, how Stark dangles yet another suit in front of him too. Yeah, yeah. of right? course. This exactly. Is, this is this is the Spider-Man suit. Don't yes. you want it? The Spider-Man Avengers suit. Don't you want it? Don't you yeah. know and 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 he can turn away. Yeah. And then Does he realize that he doesn't need the suit to be Spider-Man. Well, I think it's interesting in I don't know if you remember this scene where they're in the gym in school. This is less related to Spider-Man as a character. But they're in a gym on the bleachers watching that Captain America video. So good. <laughs> and you see MJ in the corner and the book that she's reading. Yes. Titled Human Bondage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just like. Yeah. So good. Because I don't know what it means. I don't know that book. I haven't looked up that book or looked into it. But to me, is like she's just so smart. And so aware and so perceptive. She's already halfway through the book. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she's just so wise beyond any of them there, Peter Parker included. That, like, to me, when I saw that, it was just like, somebody please remove this tether, like, that's attaching me to being a human. Like I yeah. am something <laughs> bound to this body yeah. and I'm stuck here with all you nitwits Yeah, and it's hilarious and it's stupid, but I'm really smart so I can get by. Yeah. But like, God, I'm so bored. I will also sort of say um, to me, the depictions of MJ, Ned, you know, Peter, his superpowers aside, um, the other the other teens in the film do, do mm-hmm. ring very true. Um, and I, I, I do think that they did a good job capturing the, you know, the Gen Z, uh, the, the teens who are, are similar to the teens that I'm teaching every day. Uh, I, you know, you the, the, you get that. I, I, I know teens who are reading books like that you know, in school because they're, they're yearning for some other type of knowledge yeah, or, or yeah. they have that awareness and not everybody, of course, but it did ring true to me, right. the, the depiction of, of these kids and, and how they are navigating this world with the technology and the YouTube and everything. And Absolutely. I appreciated that depiction a lot. And it does help, as you were saying earlier, Anthony, that the actors are young mm-hmm. um, because it, and especially for us now, and and I'm even a little bit older than you, and so it makes me feel like, oh wow, I'm really looking at at you know teens. Yeah, I think the, I think the actors are early twenties at this point, but still, you know, they read a lot younger than maybe some of the teen movies we grew up with. So, I mean, I, I think I can I can say we both have had a lot of fun. Yeah. The yesterday really kind of gearing up for this conversation and 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 having this conversation. It's um. 
it's really, really so much fun to, to geek out yeah. as much as I can <laughs> about this thing that, you know, it's, 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 it was really wonderful how you said that this was kind of, um, Spider-Man Homecoming was, was a way in, a way back in for you after feeling like you'd missed a, a couple and, yeah. um, and I relate to that so heavily and I want to, I just want to say thank you. And, and I'm really grateful for this opportunity to talk about Spider-Man because it's, it's helped, I think, rekindle a flame in me oh, that's that, awesome. you know, like in high school, I, I read as much Marvel as I could. Cause that was, that was the one that in, in Spider-Man and all of it was just so great for me. The ultimate Spider-Man series. If, if you haven't read it, get out there and, and enjoy it because it, it offers a really nice juxtaposition to what can be seen on screen. Awesome. And um, apart from that, I mean, it's, 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 this is again, Tara, like, like you said, a way back in it's, it, this is, this feels like a way back in for me. And, and I'm, I'm really thrilled to go back and see what I've missed with, with the contacts that I've gained from the last few films that I've watched. And, um, and, and I'm really looking forward to what's, what's going to happen in the future. We, I'm happy that Sony, Disney, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe have been able to work it out. Yes, and that yes. This looks like the image of Spider-Man for the foreseeable future. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow me at anidea underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Artwork was designed by Brooke Pender, who you can follow on Instagram at bpenderillustrations. Our music is by Demeter Salvia. You can check out their debut EP, Etc. Volume 1 on Bandcamp. Thank you for listening and join me next time for I Am Thor, Son of Odin, an analysis of Thor Ragnarok.